0: Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement.
1: Hello, and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg
2: DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, it's so good to be back with you. Eric, great to see you again, because I've got an image of you in my mind right now, and it's, it's, it's not reality, I'm sure, but I've got you kind of relaxing in a chaise lounge uh, on a beach. Is that where you're at right now? I'm
1: sitting on a yoga ball in my basement, Oh, just to yeah. let you know, and I've... I appreciate you, you know, thinking of me, but I actually have a picture of you framed on my desk, so I, I guess we're a little mismatched here.
2: <laughs> well, and you know, uh, I, I preferred the vision that I had of you than the one that you <laughs> described for me, so I'm going to say, Eric, good to hear from you. It's good to hear you too, and I know that we've got John McConnell back on the show today. John,
3: how are you? I am doing fantastic. Are you on a yoga ball? Uh, no, I'm I'm a little more pedestrian. Uh, I'm just uh, sitting at my desk here, just staring at a computer screen like the rest of us. Okay, that
1: that that conjures up a question because if you're a little bit more pedestrian, what am I? If I'm sitting on a yoga ball, what does that make me? <laughs> a little too relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not start rumors, Greg. Appreciate that. Uh, well, and I'll, I will continue with a rumor. Rumor has it this is part two of a two-part episode. Basically, you guys are talking about bonds and, and all sorts of different things. So audience, if you have not heard the first part of this podcast, go back and listen to that. Uh, but today they promise that this one's going to be pretty much solution oriented. So this is a good thing. Guys, where are you starting today with this?
2: Well, I wanted to start with a little levity, so that's why I had that image of you on the uh, on the chase. <laughs> because if anybody's coming into this uh, this one right on the heels of the, the last one, where we talked about the problems with bonds, well, they they may need a little lightening up. So, mm-hmm. uh, and if they haven't, uh, by all means, uh, that is something that every investor that is nearing or in retirement absolutely has to listen to. Uh, They need to know and understand what is happening in their portfolio as a result of bonds, the way they have been positioned by Wall Street, and what the Fed is doing with increasing interest rates in the future. So uh, it was a heavy conversation, heavy topic, uh, a little bit of a Debbie Downer, uh, but uh, we are here with some solutions now. So uh, John, anything that you'd like to add before I go into the meat of our conversation today?
3: No, I, th- I think you're right on it. You know, it is interesting. It's, it was kind of a heavy episode, wasn't it? It had a lot of information. We talked about, you know, uh, how, how bonds are affected by interest rates. We talked about in, in default risk. And we talked about kind of how they work, right? And so now people are probably thinking, well, what's the alternative?
2: Yeah, because we can't go down to the bank and get any interest, right? So we got to look somewhere for a safe money solution.
3: Yeah, I don't even think we're getting a a full 1% on any type of bank CD unless we're willing to go out 10 years.
2: Yeah. So let's start talking a little bit about what uh, people can use as a safe money alternative uh, in their portfolio. And we'll use that term portfolio more broadly than Wall Street use it. We're talking about, you know, your life savings, whether it's uh, real estate or bank accounts or stock accounts or bonds, whatever. That's what we refer to when we talk about your portfolio. So we talked a little bit about one alternative in our last conversation. I want to go back in and start with that so you can give a more clear uh, understanding to the listener of what a floating rate fund is and how that is potentially one solution for a safer component of your portfolio. So, John, can you talk a little bit about floating rate funds?
3: Yeah, of course. These, these are a little bit more complicated, but a really a valuable tool that we use, especially in today's environment. These actually have floating rates that attempt to remove some of the interest rate risk, but one of the downside is they typically start off with a lower rate of return. If interest rates move up, then their interest rates move up. So what we're trying to do is avoid that interest rate risk.
2: So what uh, are those uh, funds that somebody buys uh, in their portfolio, or is that outside of a broker? how, How does one get access to a floating rate fund?
3: We actually go and buy, we mentioned before, exchange-traded funds. We can go buy an exchange-traded fund for a portion of the portfolio that target floating-rate funds, and then we are able to solve the problem that way.
2: So that is uh, uh, something that can be bought and sold, Then, just like a regular exchange-traded fund, uh, in and out. Uh, And are there uh, some examples that you might want to throw out to the listener to take a look at?
3: You know, I hesitate to throw out solid examples here, Greg, just because of, you know, I don't know where I don't want to make a recommendation or have the have it be perceived as a recommendation, uh, but I can say that, you know, if we had a one-on-one conversation, I would absolutely be able to throw out some examples. But a simple Google search would probably point you in, in a general direction.
2: So would that be somebody with one to Google floating rate funds? Or would that be the term that they'd look for?
3: yes just floating rate funds etf and then you can kind of get an idea of what's out there just be careful we're not making any recommendations to go buy these things because they are a little more complex but this is an example of some alternatives to your traditional bond fund and ways that we're trying to solve the problem of of uh, inflation and interest rate risk
2: so we talked last time about the AGG, the Aggregate Bond Fund, as kind of one level of, uh, of bond funds. Uh, so now we have floating rate funds as one potential uh, component of a solution to try to find a safe money portion of your portfolio. Is there anything mm-hmm. else that... Um, Well, I'm actually going to go back through the hierarchy. We started with an individual corporate bond, uh, and then we talked about how that was relatively safe other than the institution risk if you hold it to its term and you don't need to sell it early. And then we evolved from that. We talked a little about treasuries uh, and those type of bond instruments and how they are uh, inherently safe from default risk because of the government backing. And then we moved into uh, the funds, the, the pooled mutual funds of bond. Uh, and now we've now talked a little bit about floating rate funds, specifically ETFs in a floating rate fund type of alternative in there. Those seem to me to be the options that come to the investor from uh, the investing world. Uh, meaning meaning Wall Street specifically. Um, am I missing mm-hmm. anything al- along that uh, continuum, continuum, or is there another option out I, there I, from there?
3: Yeah, from, from Wall Street's angle, I think they would also probably include REITs. REITs stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. These are trade-like stocks, too. There are some, now be careful. There are some REITs that are what we would call closed end REITs, means that you buy in and your money is in a lockbox for whatever the term is. A lot of times they make big promises like 6, 7, even 8% rates of return inside of these REITs, but buyer beware, I've seen plenty of these things go bankrupt, especially when the economy doesn't do well, and uh, they're, they're kind of... Put up on a pedestal of getting getting good cash flow, but they certainly have risk. Greg, I'll add one thing. You know, whenever we talk about whether it's REITs, Bonds, or some of the other alternatives we're gonna get into, I remember growing up as a kid, I I used to get Boys Life magazine because I was a Boy Scout. And in the back of the magazine, did you ever, Greg, did you ever see advertisements for sea monkeys? they would show like a a sea monkey with a trident and they were these giant fanciful things that you just poured in the water and they would somehow come to life. Did you ever see any of those?
2: Yeah, I remember them right next to the Charles Atlas ads.
3: Yeah, yeah, or the x-ray vision glasses, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes these products are packaged like sea monkeys. So when you add them to water, they're really nothing more than little brine shrimp that you can barely see and they really don't do anything. You know, we were sold on the advertisement that it looked really good on paper and then they get home and it's kind of a zero. So just when we're talking about these products, you just have to be very careful because they can look really good on paper, but sometimes they don't always work out. So that that's my disclaimer. For some of these REITs. and um, you know, there are certainly other alternatives out there too.
2: And, and full disclosure to the uh, to the listener out there, you know, one of the reasons why I have formed a strategic partnership with John is, you know, I realized. That bonds uh, were really, really risky. And I needed to find somebody that had greater expertise in kind of diffusing those situations uh, than I did. Uh, And so that's one, that's why one of the reasons, one of many reasons why John's on the team with me. You know, my default has always been to go outside of the investing world to try to find replacements for bonds for my clients because of. Because the difficulty that lies in finding good bond solutions. So I've always come from the perspective of what are more, I'll I'll even call it synthetic bond equivalents that are part of the plans that I have put together historically. So, John, um, tell me a, a little bit or tell the consumer a little bit about the way that insurance companies use the bond market i mean aren't they they're like the number one holder of bonds in the world aren't they
3: that's right so whenever you see an insurance company and they have a financial rating of let's say a a plus something like that that's because what they're holding in reserves are very safe investments like treasury bonds and they're holding them to maturity and so they're just taking the interest payments off of them as their as their safe money. Now they're obviously exposed to some interest rate interest rate risk as well, but they hold so many of these and they're professionally managed that these are insurance companies are some of the safest investors in the world. So Greg, you mentioned Wall Street kind of having their own products and their own stuff that they promote, right? Very rarely do you hear Wall Street go back and say, hey, you know what, maybe my product isn't right for you. You should look at an insurance company for your safe investments. No. They want, they want you to stick on their team, right? But in reality, if we're just looking at the overall portfolio, and you mentioned it in the first episode, the whole portfolio is not just your investments with Wall Street. It's your home. It's your savings. It's your business. It's what else you own. It's your term life insurance or whole life insurance. It's the entire picture of your portfolio. And what we found is that Wall Street puts a lot of energy into their stuff and kind of ignores the rest of it.
2: And one of the things that we talked a lot about last episode about the risk of bonds being uh, its value and in the in the swings that co- are caused by changes in interest rate. But at its core, as we identified in that last conversation, if you hold the bond to maturity, as long as there's not default risk, uh, then the portfolio is, is whole. We don't have the the risk of loss that we've talked about specifically as it impacts the individual investor. And so the insurance companies really don't have uh the same risk that the individual investor has when they're using bonds in their portfolio uh, because they don't have to worry about liquidating them early, right?
3: Yeah, they don't have, you know, they don't have a water heater that goes out at their house, so they don't have to replace a roof. They, they they kind of, they have this portfolio put together where they hold the maturity. That's right.
2: So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, how... Uh, the consumer gets the benefit of insurance companies with their huge bond portfolios that they are now using that as a kind of an engine to bring a solution to the consumer. And uh, one of the ones that, that I'll just talk about up front to start with is, you know, the indexed uh, universal life policy. Uh, we'll start with that. Mm-hmm. And the Concept of, of indexing. Again, you were you were in the inside when when you and I first met and dealing with uh, all of the the metrics around that kind of stuff. So, give the consumer kind of a the insider view, if you will, of uh, of how the bond company or the the insurance companies are able to kind of transform the bond portfolio uh, and. The risks that they may have there to a reliable, safe money solution for the consumer. I'm not asking too much mm-hmm. of you. Them are am I, John?
3: No, not at all. <laughs> I I love this question actually, because it it again gets me back to my uh, my sea monkey analogy, right? What looks good on paper isn't always. Uh, it doesn't always work out for the consumer, and and in some ways. You know, you didn't mention the annuity word, you know, the dreaded annuity. I I think it gets a lot of bad press out there, although they're coming around. You know, Susie Orman used to say annuity's bad, this and that. Now she's kind of like, well, actually, maybe not. You know, I think she's starting to see that, hey, these things aren't all, the product isn't bad. Sometimes the people selling them are. You know, the guy going door to door with a trunk full of applications, selling it to the 80 year old neighbor and just plowing all of her money inside of an annuity, or the 30 year old that goes to the teller at the bank and uh, finds a $10,000 rollover and they try to sell her an annuity. Probably not the way to go, right? But for some people, if they're faced with all these risks inside of bonds and need true security, because the one thing about these insurance companies, they can give you a reasonable rate of return and also keep you absolutely safe on the level of an A plus rated company. And so what happens is if we want to try to remove some interest rate risk, if we want to then put some of our money in a safe alternative in in a responsible way insurance companies are actually one of the best ways to do it because you do get that safety now greg you mentioned index universal life the cool thing about that is what the insurance company does is they're going to underwrite you for health right so not everybody gets access to this you kind of have to be qualified right and so What they do is they take the money, they invest it, they enter into an agreement with you where they will give you not only the death benefit should you pass prematurely, and Congress has given you the right to take those benefits tax-free, but they're also going to give you access to their investment strategies in the form of indexes. Now, we have to be a little bit careful here greg because some of these indexes are not what they appear to be but some of them are a lot of them give you access to stock market now i'm not going to say stock market like returns but will index to a, a, a market that will give you a better return could give you a better return than a bond portfolio if you factor in fees, expenses, and some of the risks associated with it. So this using an insurance company as a bond alternative can be very effective in ensuring that you don't outlive your money and also give you access to higher rates of return.
2: As a matter of fact, uh, for the listener out there, in the show notes, uh, we'll have attached two reports from independent resources. Uh, one uh, from the Ibison Company, uh, another one from a company called Alliance Bernstein, uh, that go into a analysis of uh, how these, again, what I'll call synthetic bonds. I'm probably uh, using it improperly, but I think that's the way that people can think about it, um, and how they can be a solution to this bond conundrum that we've been talking about for the last, you know, 45 minutes or so between the two proceedings.
3: And Greg, let me add something else here. Something that the insurance companies can do that Wall Street can't, they can tack on additional, often without any additional charge, they can tack on additional benefits such as long-term care, lifetime income, and enhanced death benefits to go along with your money. So what's happening is, you know, let's take, for example, long-term care. The problem with traditional long-term care is you buy it. If you don't use it, you lose it. The price keeps going up. It's expensive to begin with. And most people just don't want to lose control of their money. However, the other side of the spectrum is, well, gosh, I have some money. I don't need to have the insurance company take all the risk but I don't want to have to take all the risk either. I want a little bit of a buffer and sometimes these insurance contracts can provide that buffer so that you can both cover the risk yourself and keep control of the money but also have the insurance company provide a little bit of extra buffer just in case something bad does happen.
2: And, as we talked about in other episodes and during season one, when we have kind of a fresh look at the way that the insurance can be part of your overall portfolio of assets in retirement, if we start looking at it as a potential place to put some of that safe money, that what used to be in a bond, then you also, Can get living benefit access to it. You can take money out in in terms of policy loans and things like that. So, you know, see lots of people that have uh, seen how they can now shift money that is at risk in the bond market, shift it over to uh, insurance policy uh, where that risk is now being pooled because they're not having the same uh, declining value that we would have on an individual portfolio level, but it's now being protected by the insurance company's broader uh, portfolio and time perspective. Uh, so you're able to get something that is potentially going to grow for you, give you that uh, safe money component, and have those type of benefits that John spoke of if you didn't need to have access to those funds.
3: It's, it's all about control too, isn't it, Greg? I mean, we want to make sure that we don't just turn our money over to somebody else. Uh, a lot of people that we work with want to make sure that they always have access and they don't want to lose it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So John, is there any other bond alternative, uh, you know, other than banks and CDs that we haven't uh, chatted about
3: yet? So there are. We talked about REITs too, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: The real estate investment, those are, those are great alternatives. You know, people ask me, <laughs> This this probably is a topic for another day, but some of the precious metals in crypto, those are alternatives, but let me assure you, the way they are portrayed in popular media, especially precious metals like gold and silver, they're held out to the public as these really safe options. The reality is is that they are just as volatile as any startup technology company they could lose 50% overnight and they don't make an interest payment to you. So I only mention that because a lot of times I see gold held out there as a safe place to park some money, but it is, in my opinion, it is not.
2: So Eric, uh, over to you as you've uh, been sitting there contemplating our conversation about uh, solutions. uh, You feel like you... uh have some solutions for yourself
1: yeah Greg no I appreciate it I, I learned so much from your podcast obviously that's why I'm here to get educated just like the audience is i I heard you talking a little bit about it but I'd really like to ask a question about privacy and what I mean by privacy is is kind of from my understanding insurance uh, when you're when you're dealing with insurance that's something that I don't think can be sued or you can't be sued for insurance policies if I'm if I'm not mistaken there and also that can help you avoid the the dirty p
2: word which is probate so uh, I'll, I'll step in and I'll let John throw a little bit on top of that, but uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting you know, when I've seen some of these portfolios where people have you know you know dozens of different individual bond positions uh, that are in an account that's in the in the person's name and their name alone, uh, and you know my thirty years of doing probate administration as an estate planning and probate attorney, uh, I look at that and I just see. Uh, the, the complete mess that is there mm-hmm. to be cleaned up in probate. Uh, and probate. And many <laughs> you'd be surprised the number of times where I have people come in with stacks upon stacks upon stacks of treasury bonds good old time where they they used to issue physical bonds. Mm -hmm. And and those things going through probate is just a bloody mess. Uh, And with some of these solutions that we're talking about, specifically in the insurance-based solutions, uh, they'll have a beneficiary designation. Because of that beneficiary designation, those assets go to whomever you've named as that beneficiary uh, without going through probate and just goes cleanly through the stroke of a pen by the insurance company. So, you know, that's one more benefit to some of these these old, really, solutions mm-hmm. that have been evolving over time that really should be looked at again. Uh, John, anything you want to add to that?
3: No, I think I think you're right on it. And Greg, we always defer to your expertise in the legal field, but that is a big concern. You know, probate keeping your family's you know the amount of money that your family has or that you want to keep away from creditors or what have you insurance is really the only way to do it and, and quite frankly for in depending on the state that you live in life insurance policies whole life universal life what have you is often protected from bankruptcy and creditors as well isn't that right
1: that is correct yep yeah that that sounds really good <laughs> That sounds like a really good solution. I mean, just, just for the safety aspect and the privacy of it. I just I've heard nightmares about probate, never had to do it myself, never been through it, never had a family member go through it. But man, it just it doesn't sound fun. So I think that's a, a huge point that you just made there and I, I appreciate you answering my question.
2: Well, thank you for asking it, Eric. I guess that brings us to a wrap for today, doesn't it?
1: It does. But before we do that, I want to make sure we get some contact information in there, just in case the listener is saying the same thing I am. Well, this sounds really fantastic. I need to know more, and I need to talk about my specific situation. So if they're thinking that and they want to reach out, how do they get get a hold of you
2: guys? Well, they can reach me, Greg, at dupontwealth.com, 614 uh, 614 614-
3: 408-0004, or they can reach out
2: to John at John, take it away.
3: It's just John at com, and my website is com.
1: Fantastic. Guys, again, thank you so much for all the time you put into this podcast and the education you give us, the audience. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next
0: time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.